Edwards, what the hell happened? Hesitated. May I ask why you felt little Tiffany deserved to die? Well, she was the only one that actually seemed dangerous at the time, sir. How'd you come to that conclusion? Well, first I was going to pop this guy hanging from the street light, and then I realized, you know, he's just working out. And how would I feel if somebody come running in the gym, bust me in my ass while I'm on a treadmill? Then I saw this uh, snarling beast guy, and I noticed he had a tissue in his hand. I realized, you know, he's not snarling. He's sneezing. You know, ain't no real threat there. Then I saw little Tiffany. I'm thinking, you know, eight-year-old white girl, middle of the ghetto, bunch of monsters, this time of night with quantum physics books. She about to start some shit, Zed. She's about eight years old. Those books are way too advanced for her. If you ask me, I say she's up to something. And to be honest, I'd appreciate it if you eased up off my back about it. Or do I owe her an apology? That was a good shot, though, right? He's got a real problem with authority. So do I. But this kid ran down a cephalopoid on foot. Boss, that's got to be tough enough. Let's hope you know what you're doing. Even the most exclusive organizations in the world often hire based on gut or instinct without any real data to show whether someone is a good fit for a role or not. In 1997's Men in Black, a group of young officers, including NYPD detective and future MIB agent J, played by Will Smith, are submitted to a battery of tests, supposedly for their motor skills, concentration, and stamina. The tests were actually designed to assess their intelligence, resourcefulness, independent thinking, relationship with authority, and powers of observation. And at the end of all that testing, they hired based on one person's gut. And while Agent K certainly made the right decision, your business isn't an action comedy with an all but guaranteed happy ending. But what if your organization had access to an assessment that identifies behavioral traits that are highly predictive of success in a given role? What if that assessment also gave you insights into how to best support, develop, and motivate employees? Talent optimization data helps leaders predict workplace behavior so they can hire the right candidates, design goal-crushing teams, cultivate an award-winning culture, and manage employees according to their unique preferences. Milan Batnich and Mark Brody are talent optimization certified partners for the Predictive Index. And this week on Next NQ, they join me to discuss why Brohawk Solutions launched talent optimization services, what makes the Predictive Index different from other assessments, what to expect from implementation and onboarding, what a successful implementation looks like, real-life stories of success, how talent optimization is impacted by a changing employment landscape, how technology will impact talent optimization, and how you can take your own free PI behavioral assessment in less than 10 minutes. Let's get to it. 
Welcome to Next in Q, the podcast for contact center and customer experience professionals. Next in Q is brought to you by Happy Two Vision. Eliminate blind spots and see right through every conversation with Happy Two Vision. Learn more at HAPPITU.com. Now, here's your host, Rob Dwyer. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a special episode <laughs> of Next in Q. I've got a couple of clowns with me, but they're not actual clowns. They're actually really smart guys. I have a lot of value to add. You may know them from previous episodes. I think somehow uh, one of you, this is uh, four, four appearances. Oh we're we're going to have to get him a custom made jacket or something like that for like his fifth episode, whatever that. Yeah, kind of like what they do with Saturday Night Live. I think yes. maybe a custom jacket with a Jayhawk logo on yes. it. Yes. <laughs> you know, even Michael Jordan can only do three in a row. I mean, four? Four? <laughs> well, to be fair, this is not in a row. I don't know that anyone can handle that much Milan. Ooh. So I I have to space you out a little bit. So let's uh, <laughs> let's actually start Milan since since you have the honor of this fourth appearance why don't okay. you introduce yourself first and then and then we'll uh we'll move on to mark all right so hello everyone my name is milan batonich the second as you can see there boiler up hammer down um <laughs> So I am the founder of Milan Motivates. We are a uh, professional development, motivational speaking company that also does some direct hire recruitment and uh, and now part of what Mark Brody will talk about in his introduction of Predictive Index. All so right. That, I think that's go. a good segue. Mark, how about you? Uh, my name is Mark Brody and, uh, you know, Rob, pleasure to be back on your podcast again. Obviously not rising to the level that Milan has, but you know, um, crawl, walk, run. I am I am the uh, the founder of Brohawk Solutions, and uh, recently we have become a talent optimization certified partner for Predictive Index, hey. or I should say, the Predictive Index. The and me Milan and I are going together on this venture and you know talent optimization is something that's a passion for for both of us and uh you know i'm uh, I, i'm really humbled to to be able to partner with milan on uh, on our talent optimization uh pi journey uh, it's exciting you know um to to uh to embark on this journey that's for sure well let's let's dig into that a little bit why do you launch this this talent optimization service? So for me, talent optimization is aligned with um, with my philosophy with with uh, Brohawk Solutions, and that's um, aligning people, processes, and technology to create a better um, employer agent experience, leading to an uh, ultimately leading to a, cu- a better customer experience. At the beginning of that journey is making sure you have the right people in the right place doing the right job that's that they're going to have some passion about. So if you don't have those those folks in place, you're going to be running a revolving door, regardless of all the other things that you have in place within your organization. If you're not paying attention to your 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 people in the contact center world, um, 
every process, every technology that you have is is just, you know, it's bupkis, you know, you got to be you got to be making sure that uh, um, that that focus is there. And that that's why it's a passion of mine, um, because it's a it's the first part of of, uh, you know, where where I think that customer experience really starts. Milan. That's great, Mark. So ditto to everything Mark said. And then I would also add that for myself personally, um, you know, talent optimization is a passion just because uh, I've utilized it for the last nine or so years, nine plus years. And career-wise, it's been a game changer. It's really helped me embrace the platinum role versus the golden rule. So really treating others the way they want to be treated versus the way I want to be treated. And it's a it's a tool I wish I would have had and utilized when I managed operations for contact centers because I think it would have made me a better manager because it really helps people really from pre-hire to retire and everywhere in between, you know, identifying the right people for the right roles at each company, you know, in each organization, all the way through to telling me as a manager, how how do I manage this person? You know, if I if I have an employee, how do I manage them appropriately the way they need to be managed in order for them to be satisfied with the job and happy. Um, and then, you know, reducing turnover and all of those things, you have a higher, high, more higher, uh, highly engaged workforce. So it's really been a game changer for me over the last almost decade. And, and uh, that, that's why I'm passionate about it because it's just uh, helped me along in my career and with the companies that I've worked with and worked for. Yeah. Well, I can imagine, you know, obviously when you use something, and you know that it makes a difference, it becomes really easy to become a fan and even an evangelist of something, um, something that we've definitely talked about on the show. But there are all kinds of services out there. There are all kinds of assessments out there. So when we talk about talent optimization, like one, you touched on a little bit about why it's important, right? And that's getting the right people in the door. But what makes what you're doing different? How How is the service that you're providing to people different? So I, I kind of take it back to, uh, remember um, when Mac Brown was the uh, head coach at Texas? I do. Not that long yeah. ago. Not that long ago. That some of the fan base would say, you know, Mac can bring it, can recruit and bring in some incredible high school talent and make them good college players. Okay, I view um, what we what we do here. A lot of organizations do a really good job of bringing in some really great talent. Okay, but once you get them in the door, what are you doing with them? You know, mm. um, how how are you? Um, empowering them to uh, to reach their potential and ultimately are you in, empowering them to do the best uh, to be the best brand ambassador for for your customers so no that's a great answer mark and I, I would just add on you know Rob to your points the marketplace is flooded with 1200 plus assessments that deal with personality or behaviors or talent optimization type of uh, ideas um, and then I know personally for, you know, utilizing this one uh, of the ones I've used over the last 15, 20 years of my career, this one has been the most accurate, uh, to me and has proven itself out over and over again to reduce attrition and, 
help with, uh, again, employee engagement and hiring the right folks uh, and the, the employee development. So, so of all the ones that I've used, which is in 1200, but I've used four or five throughout my career, um, this one to me has been the most accurate. Well, and that's why you're no Mac Brown. <laughs> exactly. You know, it, it's it's a process. It's a system that is rooted in science. But because it's rooted in science and 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 really focused on how the individual needs to be communicated with, engaged with, et cetera, et cetera, I think it really brings um, brings to the forefront how individualized. Um, the employee engagement experience really needs to be. So it sounds like it's more than just a, a pre-hire assessment, that there's mm -hmm. more to it than that. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's walk us through what does implementation and kind of an ongoing process look like? So implementation and onboarding, those sorts of things. So people who are interested in utilizing talent optimization, We'll typically go through a uh, training to become a subject matter expert in the science and in the software that's um, that is used on behalf of the science. Um, and from there, I mean, there's ongoing support and there's onboarding in terms of helping organizations build out what are called uh, job targets. So for on the hiring side, so you create a target of what your ideal candidate would look like for each uh, each role within an organization. And then you can grade your candidates based on income, you know, being in comparison with that job target. And then, you know, once employees are hired, there's many different tools on, based on who that person is, here's how you coach them, here's how you motivate them, uh, here's how you need to manage them. If you don't, and it plainly tells us, uh, you know, if you don't optimize your talents, if you do not manage people the way they need to be managed, then they're going to leave the organization. It's pretty pretty point blank. You, you need to manage them the way they need to be managed and coach them the way they need to be coached and, and put more specifically put them in roles that are an ideal fit for who they naturally are. You know, when we think of the contact center industry, somebody who does outbound scripted telemarketing is a different type of person than somebody who does inbound sales retention you know, versus somebody who just does inbound customer service. It's three completely different types of individuals. So identifying who are the right people for each individual role and then coaching and managing them appropriately. I want to talk really quickly about that job target piece. So does the, does the service that you offer help guide creating that job target? Do I, how do I know how to build that? It's done objectively where you can choose the attributes that are most consistent with the job um, or needed for the job. And you can also compare it uh, with other organizations that ha have completed targets for that specific role. I always recommend uh, companies filling it out for themselves because your role may be different than my role, which may be different than Mark's role, even though they have the same title. So making it specific for your own organization. Um, but there are examples you can use. Uh, there's over 10,000 clients that utilize it. So for instance, if you're looking for a contact center representative, you can utilize the job target that's already in the software, or you can objectively create your own based on selecting attributes that are most critical for success in that role. 
is there something to guide me as to what those specific things are that are most critical to success within a role? Like how do I, let's say I'm new to the business, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and maybe I'm new to, to the hiring process. How do I know which aspects are going to be most critical to the roles that I'm hiring for? Within, within the, and we're not talking about software, within the process of defining a job target, there's certain key words, key attributes, key behaviors that you're going to want in every, in every single job. One thing you want to keep in mind also is that there's different stakeholders that are affiliated or aligned with that job. And it's important to get all stakeholders at the table or a sampling of the stakeholders, at least, um, if you can get them all great and provide input on what, what this job is, is needing in order to be successful. Um, mm -hmm. So, and that could be, uh, that could be a peer, it could be a manager, it could be someone that, that is in a, um, in an adjacent uh, role in another department. Um great example would be, you know, if you're hiring a contact center manager, you're going to want to have some alignment with what's going on in marketing um, mm -hmm. you know, or sales or, um, you know, uh, back office or something like that. So you're, you're going to want to make sure that you're getting the right person in the right role as, as Milan shared before. So, yeah. And, and in addition to that, an additional way you can do it is by benchmarking your current top performers. Mm -hmm. So taking a look at, okay, out of my, um, contact center of 100 agents, let's look at my top five to 10 performers based on the KPIs or metrics that I have in my center. And typically, not every time, but typically you'll notice that a lot of those individuals have the same type of behavioral attributes or characteristics. So then you can build your job targets to be aligned with your top five, 10, 20% of your contact center agents and just benchmark based on your top performers. One of the things I want to want to go ahead and add, uh, Rob Milan, is, um, you know, when when you what you often find during that journey is that there's a myth, there is a misalignment in either what the expectations are, um, what performance is like, or the people that you're actually hiring. Um, there's a misalignment somewhere. So, for instance, um, you know, you could say, "Hey, we we need to go ahead and." and reduce our customer churn by 10%. Why are we only hitting 5%? Well, is it the right people in the right place? Or is it the processes that are supporting these people um, that uh, um, that is failing somewhere? Um, so it may not, it, it won't, it won't um, point to a specific process, but it could show that, hey, you're hiring the right people. Everybody's aligned on the, the attributes to be successful in that role, but there's something else going on outside um, in that ecosystem. Hmm. So one of the things that you just talked about, I want to dig into a little bit more, and that's that's the measures. So, mm -hmm. you know, if I'm I know contact center operators, right? The the whether it's the CFO, the the COO, the CEO. Mm -hmm. One of the things that contact centers are really strong about doing is measuring things. They they measure mm -hmm. everything. Yes. So, if I wanted to adopt a service like this, what are some of the 
key metrics to success that I should be thinking about? And then what are some of the results that I should ideally see if I'm doing it right? Um, I would say, uh, Rob, let me ask a clarifying question. Do you mean metrics in terms of the contact center KPIs and how this how talent optimization can help those KPIs or just within talent optimization itself? So, you know, I just, what would, what does success look like? If I'm going to adopt this, what does success look like for me? And how will I go about measuring that? What should I expect? I, go ahead. Gonna, you want to talk? Gonna, I have a couple, but you go ahead, Mark. Yeah, I'm going to say success is going to look very different for every organization. Um, you know, it, you know, no two organizations are exactly the same. They may offer similar products and services, but how they're how they're wired um, internally is going to be different. Um, it's just like a behavioral assessment um, using the PI tool. Um, every person is perfect just the way they are, um, you know, oh. and, you know, uh, I mean, you know, e even Milan being a Purdue fan, he's perfect just the way he is. Uh, but the, 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 important, the important thing is, is what's important to your organization? What's important to, um, to your customers? Um, and again, do you have the right people in the right place? Do you, what are your attrition levels and things like that? Um, th those, those are some, those are some of the things that I would, I would be looking at and measuring, um, uh, but not defining it in, in a global uh, sense that it's going to be the right measurement for every organization. So, right. I, I would add along to your points, Mark, where I've seen it successful the most within the contact center industry is higher employee engagement, which there are tools to measure that. And um, from the baseline up and then lower. I mean, we, uh, or I've utilized this tool in the past uh, for a contact center in Austin, Texas. Mark, you know which one I mean. Yep. Where they went from 90% uh, annual turnover or annual attrition down to 14.9% annual wow. attrition because they were inbound sales. So if people call up, say, I saw your product on TV. I want to order it. Well, they wanted their inbound CSRs to upsell, cross-sell, and sell more, but they were hiring inbound order takers, order processors versus salespeople. Once they realize they need to hire more of that sales type of profile, uh, so it's still inbound, but sales, their uh, revenue went up. I think it was in the first year, their revenue went up by more than a million dollars. And then their attrition again, went from 90% annually down to 14.9% annually. And then they also were able to change some of their nesting period um, type of interactions and offered more coaching and management opportunities um, or coaching opportunities from management. And um, of their 90% annual attrition, 90% was happening in the first three months. And uh, they were able to lower that to 4%. So 4% attrition in the first uh, 90 days, just by making sure they had the right people and managing and coaching the people more often and more accurately for that type of role. Yeah, I, when you just think about the numbers, just solving for the attrition alone, right? And how much it costs to go out and hire someone. And then, right, if I'm constantly right. replacing that person, uh, I think, you know, one of the services out there uh, for, 
you know, job postings, I think has some numbers associated with how much it costs just to hire someone on average. Right. But I think in the industry, you know, you're probably talking about five grand just, just to hire someone, right. As kind of, yeah. a cost. and so when you're talking about hundreds of agents or, or even just dozens of agents that you don't have to replace anymore, all of a sudden, right. The cost savings, that number gets really big in a hurry. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when, when we analyzed the data from this call center in Austin, Texas, we found that they were able to lower their uh, attrition costs. So like you were saying, Rob, cost to hire additional in, individuals, they were able to lower their attrition costs by, I think it was $462,000 a year, plus increase their top line sales revenue by over a million dollars that first year. So it was like a one and a half million dollar swing you know, saved almost half a million in attrition and then added a million plus in revenue. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. Now, you know, things are changing in the contact center business, right? I mean, there's a lot more work from home than there was just a few years ago. Part of that is driven by adoption from COVID. And part of it is just businesses realizing that that model can work. And there are a lot of things that are different about how you manage people in that type of environment. We're also seeing the adoption of new technologies like AI is all the rage. So when you keep those things in mind, how does this service adapt to that ever-changing employment landscape? Go ahead, Milan. Rob, I'm sorry. What's AI stand for? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I think we were all three of us were at a conference earlier this year where every exhibitor <laughs> almost was AI. Yes. No. 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 <laughs> Mark, I'll let you uh, take this one. You're the technology guru. <laughs> yeah, I, I think technology as a place. Um, I was actually um on a um on a call with some JD Power folks. Um earlier and the the at the end of the day consumers customers are still trying to leverage their interpersonal contacts with a call center um ai um while it is, it is seeing some increased adoption um obviously people you know don't mind using technology for self service Oftentimes, um, calls to the uh, to the contact center are a result of, of a failure somewhere else, um, either with self service or or chat or some you know somewhere else in a channel that they just the the customer wasn't able to um, obtain the, the the service that they that they needed. I think that it becomes even more important going forward. For companies to invest in talent opti uh, talent optimization um, in their organization, because they're they're going to need higher skilled people. They're going to need a diverse uh, a diverse workforce. Um, not everybody thinking the same way. Um, they're just not a number in, in a chair or anything like that. Um, and it, it's going to while the technology is there to help them um, improve. 
the the importance for the uh, to get the right person in that right chair uh, to handle the the customer interaction when it does come in, not if, but when uh, it does come in. Um, and giving that person a career path, I, I think I think the the point about attrition is so important. Um, you know, when when you lose somebody, and I know I'm preaching the choir here. Um, you know, when you lose somebody, a certain amount of knowledge, job knowledge goes out, out the door. And then all of a sudden you're back at square run, square one. It's not just the, the, the financial aspect, but it's also that, that, that brand understanding that also exits the, the door. And, and it, it takes, it takes anywhere from three to six months to get even any level of proficiency, um, even with the tools and technology that are out there uh, in the marketplace, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's a, uh, uh, an agent assist tool or, or, you know, a process mapping tool or anything like that. Uh, um, I mean, there, there's tons of them out there, but if you don't have the right people in, in, in the right place, um, you're, you're going to get smoked by your competition. Let's talk about talent optimization moving forward. I mean, is this, is this something that is changing is are are these new technologies impacting how companies use talent optimization? Are there things that people need to consider as technology changes, or is talent optimization really kind of a, a static thing that's going to work no matter what happens with technology? No matter what type of technology comes out, I think technology may come forward that may help companies better optimize their talents utilizing the science, but I don't think uh, technology will change the science or change how talent is optimized because it all goes back to, uh, you know, intrinsic motivations. So it all goes back to what drives each of us internally versus externally. So really to sum it up, I think technology will be created to help companies with the talent optimization, like a delivery mechanism, but I don't think because of the science and the intrinsic behaviors behind talent optimization, I don't think technology will ever uh, change how we optimize talent because there's so much internal science behind it. So Milan, I have a question for you. So you're talking, uh, you mentioned internal motivation a couple mm -hmm. of times. I'd like to know if PI can tell me whether or not someone's going to root for Purdue or not, because that may be an important aspect of whether or not I want to bring them into my organization. So listen, uh, <laughs> PI is statistically validated for hiring, which keeps keeps organizations safe from disparate impacts. Now, it does not measure which university someone will root for. And I will add, that if you were to not hire me because I root for Purdue, you may find yourself uh, open to um, issues with legality, let's say. I don't, I don't think Purdue fans are a protected class. I'm just going to put that out there. I don't think that's a protected class. Maybe they should be. Oh, God. Look, um, if I wanted to investigate this further, look, nobody's going to just go out and adopt this based off of listening to a podcast, uh, certainly not this podcast. Uh, I know that uh, hopefully I provide valuable information and I'm talking to interesting people like the two of you, 
gentlemen, but I don't, uh, you know, just like the, the, the commercials for a law firm say the choice of a lawyer is an important decision should not be based solely on advertisement. I think that's probably true <laughs> of this as well. So if I wanted to, right, talk further about, is this right for me? Why should I consider this? What are some of the first things that I should do? I would encourage individuals to complete a five to seven minute behavioral assessment and review your results. I think that's kind of what convinced me 10 years ago, because I was like, oh, every tool is the same. Nobody's different. I spent five, six, seven minutes on a behavioral assessment, saw my results, and I was like, wow, this is me. And then once I learned more about it, I, I think that's the first step. Anybody on this planet can complete a free behavioral assessment, a free PI behavioral assessment, and it takes like five or six minutes, and then just looking at the results to see. And then people can look uh, or base it on themselves. Is it accurate? Is it inaccurate? And then go from there. That's how I always recommend people start is try it out and see if it, um, you know, aligned with who you feel you are. Mm. We we had a great point, and that's exactly where I was going to go as well. We had we had somebody that didn't know a lot about um, what this behavioral assessment was actually going to show, and we we had them go ahead and complete the behavioral assessment, and not only did they say, "Oh my God, that's me," <laughs> and that's how that's how I I manage, and that's how I like to be managed, but then their team when they brought when they brought their team in to see the results as well they did the exact same thing they're like oh my gosh that is exactly her or him or you know i mean in this case it was a her and that sold them on on the on why they needed it in their organization um you know don't don't take our word on this on this uh on this great podcast um you know rob you know reach out to to milan reach out to myself um, we'll go ahead and get you set up with with um, um, with the assessment, and then we'll spend some time with you, just doing the readback um, with you to to share what what your results are actually showing. Um, because just looking at a piece of paper, you're going to be like, okay, yeah, that's interesting, you know. But um, we'll actually go through a deeper dive with you, and and you know, um, you know, share with you, you know, how yeah. how this can impact you at work. And all of that is free and people like free and to people Mark's do point, like don't take our, don't take our word for it. I definitely would not normally besides Mark and Rob, I normally would not take the word of a KU grad, but that's just me. <laughs> Except for Mark and Rob, a little uh, star there. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's good that we're in that special category. I feel the yes. same way about you. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> so you're right though everybody does like free free 90 free uh that mm -hmm. is the price as usual you can just check the uh the liner notes of the podcast be ways mm -hmm. for you to get in touch with one or both of these gentlemen you can take the predictive index assessment for free mm -hmm. 90 free as they just yep. said and then if you go oh my gosh, this is me. And you mm -hmm. think, hmm, okay, maybe I could use this in my business. 
then you can reach out to them and talk about what that looks like for you and for your business. Gentlemen, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. As always, I I don't know if there's going to be a, a special award for a fourth appearance. Probably Rob, not. I think you got to get the five. Rob, I want to say thank you for having me on for the fourth time. And you said... I, I mentioned Michael Jordan at the beginning and you said, but uh, that was three in a row. I will say this is my fourth time in three seasons. He won three championships in three seasons. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Um, that's, that's true. Uh, that is true. But just because you show up doesn't mean you won. <laughs> I think I think we could talk to the Purdue basketball team last year about that. Just because you show up, yes, one. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness! I don't know what to say. That would be uh, that wouldn't be disparaging to myself, to Rob, or to Purdue. So I'm just not going to say anything at all. I think that's fair. <laughs> thank you, Rob. I think that's fair. Uh, <laughs> thank you, gentlemen, for coming on the show. Look forward, as always, to talking to you again. Rob, thank you for having us. It was a pleasure. Next in Queue is brought to you by Happy To and is produced by me, Rob Dwyer. If you enjoy this podcast, please, by all means, subscribe and or rate this podcast in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. But more importantly, please tell just one person about this podcast. Word of mouth is the best way for people to discover new content. As always... Thanks for listening.